you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we're going to look at the first 15 verses as we continue our sermon series called We Are Family. Uh, and what a joy and a privilege it is to be a part of God's family. I hope and pray that each one of you, uh, maybe those online, you know the joy, the joy of being a part of God's family. What amazing grace that he would call us in. What incredible work of Jesus that we could truly be a part of his family. And there's joy, joy indeed, that man, we are, we're loved, we got a future, we're secure, and we're his. But like all families, uh, there are family joys, and there are also family responsibilities, or what we are uh, to do. And I know oftentimes we talk about a family, or talk about family responsibilities, like, oh man, it feels like a burden. And I can promise you this, this message will really correlate with where your heart is. I mean, uh, if, if uh, God's family feels like a burden, uh, the responsibility is going to feel like a burden. But if you have this joy that bubbles up in your heart that you are loved, that you are his, that you've been gifted by him, it gives us a little bit of a different perspective. So here's what we're doing. We're looking to God's word because this will never lead us astray. And this is who we find out who God is and who we are. It's like seeing the family picture. God will show us the picture of who we are in Christ. God will also say, well, here's how a family is to respond. So it's like a family picture that we're looking at. And for those of you who are family, how much do you love family pictures? My guess is there's going to be a big, strange family picture coming up today. Everybody looks good. You're all going to be there. And you're all going to be in the picture. And I promise you this, whoever's not there, you're probably texting and say, oh, man, we wish you were here because you're part of the family. And we want you in the picture. Isn't it not true that family, especially parents, you want everybody in the picture? Recently we had Mother's Day, another great day. I had almost all of our family. What do we want to do? We get the family together. Everybody, take a family picture. Why? Well, we could all hear. We were missing one. Our daughter, Jessie, her husband, Todd, our grandkids weren't there. So it was an incomplete picture. But God's going to show us a complete picture of what family is like. Who family is in. And we want, God, listen, God wants everybody in the picture. So let me hit pause on this. I don't know where you are with God. I don't know what's going on. But I can tell you this. God wants you in the picture. And you're important. And it's not complete until we're there. So don't forget that. If you are an part of God's family, you're an important part. I know that sometimes you feel like, wow, what do I do? I mean, you know, I'm, I don't sing. I, I don't lead worship. I don't teach a class. You know, what do I do? But God tells us very clearly in that family picture, his Bible, that every single part is indispensable. That what seems weaker in the world's eyes, it's, it's indispensable. And that if you're a part of God's family, he not only wants you in the picture, he wants you involved in the family. So we're continuing uh, this, this series. It's part four of We Are Family. We began uh, the first week that we are part of God's beloved family. And we start there and, and what the grace of God was required for sinners like us to be brought in and adopted into his family, the work of Christ. We looked at the second week, Charlie crushed it. We looked at a family, we're a family that worships together. God made us in his image. He made us for himself and he made us to worship. Hit pause. There's not one of you that's not going to be a worshiper. Everyone's going to worship. We're going to worship something. That's how God's designed us. We might worship ourselves. We might worship our stuff. We might worship beauty. We might worship creation. But all of us are worshipers. That's, that's innate design. But by God's grace and the work of Christ, we can do that which God intended for us to do, and that is worship him. 
And God calls us to worship, not just individually, but to corporately. That we sh shouldn't forsake this. This is important that we are called to worship together. We looked at God has called us to be a family who serves. That God will say, listen, I've given each one of you different gifts. But I want you to use those gifts. I want you to exercise them. Flex your spiritual muscle. It may not feel like muscle. But use it. Why? For his glory and for the good of our neighbor. And now we're going to see that we are family and we are not only gifted to serve, but we're a family that gives. Now, here's what I hear. Everybody, everybody right here to sigh? Did the, the pastor just say we're a family that gives? Oh, great. I'm in church and the pastor's going to talk about giving, right? I mean, it's a universal response. But I'm telling you, giving to God's family is different than giving to a religious institution or a nonprofit charity. And if you listen, uh, I'm going to make one huge request of each of you. Open up your heart and your mind to what God's word says. Now, here's what I promise you. No guilt. I am not going to come in here and preach a sermon on giving that's going to try to use guilt. If I do, call me on it. Because I am not about that. I'm not an arm twister. If you know me, it's not my job. I don't want to do it. I want to tell you how amazing God is. I want you to fall in love with him and respond. That's all I want to do. And let me remind you, I don't know what you give, and I don't want to know. I don't want to look. Why? Because I want you to know when I come to you and I talk to you and I respond to you, it has nothing about what you give. Um, because I have the privilege of being your pastor, and I want to love you. And that's between you and God. And so, but I'm going to tell you how amazing God is. Um, and really, your response to giving will be your response to how much you know you are loved by God. He loves us, and he loves his church. So we're going to look at this passage of Scripture. But you know, we're jumping into a book, uh, a letter actually called 2 Corinthians. It was written by Paul to a, a pretty amazing church, a, a church with a lot of gifts and a lot of struggles. Um, there's two letters recorded in the Bible. There was three written, but there were two recorded for us, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 today. Um, and so we're going to kind of parachute into that. And let me give you a little background because really – uh, this is going to be where we're going to look at this emphasis of God's grace and giving. So here's what's happening. Uh, the Apostle Paul uh, and his sidekick Titus, um, they are collecting a special gift. Uh, there was a time of famine in Jerusalem. Uh, it was really bad. It's listed a few times in Scripture that Jerusalem was suffering from a famine. Um, and there was a collection being made in that church in Corinth uh, for the saints that were back in Jerusalem. They started to collect the money and they kind of stopped. And so what happened is this. Paul is going to say, hey, let me remind you of God's grace that was given to the churches in Macedonia. Let me tell you what those do. The churches in Macedonia, these are Thessalonica, Philippi, and Berea. Those of you who have read through Scripture, those are the churches in Macedonia. Let me tell you about those churches. They were dirt poor. These were, this was the other side of the track. I mean, this, they didn't have the nicest pews. They didn't have the stained glass windows. Uh, this, these churches were dirt poor. Uh, they were filled with poverty, and they were afflicted. They were picked on, poor and picked on. This is the churches in Macedonia. Yet they found something in Jesus that gave them joy and grace, and they gave. So here you got Paul and Titus are saying, okay, church in Corinth, you guys started to give a gift to the church that needs it in Jerusalem. Hey, look at this church that's over here in Macedonia. I mean, these guys got nothing. They're poor. I mean, they're, they're, they're impoverished. Uh, they're going through trials. And yet, look at the grace of God because they have joy. Uh, they have joy in giving. As a matter of fact, it says that they were begging for the opportunity to give. 
Uh, wow, that's amazing. So, well, we're going to look at this uh, this morning. We're, we're going to look at the grace of giving, because it is a grace. The grace of giving. We're going to see that it begins with the grace of God. We're going to see that it, it continues with knowing the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And lastly, responding to the grace of God. So remember the background I gave you. Uh, you got a little bit of, 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 of knowledge with that. Let's look to God's word in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I will read the first 15 verses. Hear the word of the Lord. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness and in your love and uh, our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it, as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I did not mean that others should be eased and you should be burdened, but that is a matter of fairness. Your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so their need uh, abundance may supply your need that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much has nothing left over, and whoever gathers little had no lack. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Now, Father God, would you come and give us grace, grace to understand your word, grace to see our face in this picture. If this is a family portrait of your grace, God, your family members need to see it and understand it. I love the fact that you're not a God of guilt. I love the fact that you're a God of grace. And I love the fact that giving always begins with you. So God, would you give us your spirit to be teacher? Would you speak through a broken sinner like me? Would you give us ears to hear, really hear your word? Would you give us minds to understand that word? Oh, God, would you graciously give us hearts that would embrace your truth? And God, would you give us feet that would walk in a manner worthy of your name, that we would be givers of our lives back to you? God, the things I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. Let, let those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true and contain this incredible good news of the gospel, oh, God, use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior, Jesus. And it's in his matchless name that we pray. 
Amen. You know, the first thing we're going to see is this grace of giving. Beginning, giving always begins with God. It always begins with the grace of God. That is where beginning, where, where giving and grace begins. How do we know that? Well, it begins with God who gave us his son. God would love us so much that he gave us his son. For God so loved the world that he would give us his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish. What a gift. I mean, that's incredible that God is going to start, initiate with us. He's going to give us his son, and belief in him is going to set us free. It's Jesus who gave us his life. He says, I've come, and I'm going to lay down my life for my friends. Jesus would come not only to live for us, do all the things we failed to do, but he would die for us. He would go to the cross. He would absorb the Father's wrath. Jesus would give. He would give himself. He would hang on a cross. He'd give his life for us. What a gift. And then we see that the Father and Son give us the Holy Spirit. You know, what an incredible gift and giver of God. So giving always begins with God. He's the one that morning by morning new mercy he gives us. Fresh, our God is filled with mercy. He, he, he is uh, incredibly generous to us, incredibly merciful to us, abounding in steadfast love. And out of that love, he gives. And then you see this transforming power of God's grace of giving. I mean, it's, it was demonstrated in the churches of Macedonia. It says this, in their severe affliction, literally the Greek will say they were beaten down by affliction. What did they do? They had abundance of joy. Wait a minute. In severe affliction, there's abundance of joy. It says in extreme poverty. Again, the Greek will lead us here. This is rock bottom. This is like there's nothing in reserve, right? There's nothing to go to. I mean, it's empty. There's, there's, there's very, very little. In extreme poverty, they had a wealth of generosity. It says they gave even beyond their means. And I want to talk to them. Like, what are you doing? I mean, I get it, giving to you, but how, you're giving beyond that. I mean, you're going the, the extra mile. And they begged for the favor of giving. I've never seen a church like this. I, I don't know that I've never had this experience in my life personally to this point where you're like, can I please give? <laughs> can I please participate in this? And the question you got to ask is something happened to the churches of Macedonia. I mean, was there something in their water? I mean, did they get a hold of some crazy mushrooms? I mean, what happened? What, what punch did these folks drink? Because clearly they were responding in a way out, out of really difficult situations, out of extreme poverty. How can you be generous? What did they do? They drank deeply from God's grace. They drank deeply from the grace of God and the gospel, the good news of the gospel. Here's what it tells us. Gospel giving Giving of God's family. Gospel giving is not based on external circumstances according to God. The grace of God. It's really the good news of God. I mean, that, that is not our circumstances. But we give because of something internal in us. Because of something ex eternal. An eternal reality. Here's, here's the bottom line. They looked at their life, and it was pretty yucky. They looked at their life, and it was pretty broken. It was pretty barren. But Jesus gave them something beyond their circumstances. Jesus gave them hope. Jesus gave them life. Jesus forgave their sins. Jesus gave them an inheritance. And they bought into the reality of the gospel. 
And they realized that what they had in Christ Jesus was more valuable of what they didn't have in this world. And they responded. They said, I, got, I found a treasure. I found hidden manna. I found life. I found joy. I found meaning. I found forgiveness. And I found it all in Jesus. And if I have him, what good is it to gain the whole world and lose your very soul, right? What, what good is it to have all that the world has to offer and lose out on having forgiveness and life and life abundantly in Christ Jesus? They had the good news of the gospel, and that set them free. See, the reality is the grace of giving will begin with God, and it will transform us. All right, so it begins with God, but second thing is this. It's knowing the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here again, verse 9. And, and I don't know, uh, hear these words. This is, this is the gospel in one verse. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even that, Lord, King, Jesus, Christ, Messiah. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Scripture will say this Jesus is eternal God. This, this, this Jesus is, is the rightful heir of all that God has. This one who was rich, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, born in a manger, no place to lay his head. At the end of his life, the little he owned, his robe, they gambled away. I mean, he became poor, dirt poor. He became poor, so why? So that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus, for our sake, left heaven and put on flesh, Jesus, for our sake, left all that he was rightfully given at his Father's right hand. He absorbed not only flesh and humanity, but he experienced all the brokenness of life. I mean, all the brokenness of, of depravity of this world. He experienced, he was humbled. He experienced great poverty. Why? For our sake, he became poor. It was the only way. He had to empty himself so he could fill us up. Through his poverty we might become rich. I'm afraid that maybe many of you are hearing, that. oh, Jesus, what an example he is. Look at, look at this example. I'm to follow this example. What an amazing teacher he is. And if that's what you hear in this text, you missed it completely. Because this is saying, this has happened for your sake. This has happened for your life. This is not just a moral example. This is not just some amazing teaching. This is not just an act of a brilliant rabbi. This is the act of a loving God emptying himself to fill us. In Jesus, our spiritual economy has radically changed. In Jesus, if you are one of his, if, if Christ is your savior, there's been a radical difference in your life. Scripture will say, apart from him, we're poor. But we've gone from poverty to riches. You know that Ephesians 1.3 says this, that in Christ Jesus, all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms are ours. Everything he deserves is the only obedient son. Everything he deserves is the only eternal son. All those blessings flow to us in Christ Jesus. If you are here and you are his, I don't know what your 401k says. I don't know what your bank account says. But if you are in Christ Jesus, he says, man, I'm going I'm to bless you with riches. It doesn't mean you're going to drive a new car. It doesn't mean that you're going to have all what the world has to offer. I don't know what he's got for you. But I can tell you in eternity... I can tell you in life, I can tell you in spiritual blessings, we're rich. Poor to rich, empty and full. Those who are, who are empty, I mean, we all are. There, God has created his image, but because of sin, there's a hole in all of our hearts. It just, life leaks out. 
And he says, I'm going to fill that hole. And I'm going I'm to fulfill it in Christ Jesus. Our spiritual economy went from wrath to love. Scripture says that by nature, uh, which means naturally as we come into this world, it's kind of an ugly picture. It says by nature, we're children of wrath. There's a problem between who we are and who God is. He's holy and we are not. So apart from Christ, we're children of wrath, Scripture says. That's the picture. But in Christ, we're, we're cleansed, we're forgiven, we're, we're free, we're robed in his righteousness. And we are loved. From wrath to love, we are adopted in. From death to life, Scripture says that apart from Christ, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. You can have a lot of life that the world offers, but spiritual life, you got none. Apart from Christ, death, dead in our trespasses and sins, but we've been made alive in Christ Jesus. Do you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know it? I mean, the question is, do you know it personally? I mean, is that just something that you've experienced or heard about in church? But do you know the reality? Can you say, you know what? I am that one. That he who was rich became poor for me. I'm the one. I'm the one that through his poverty, I've experienced blessing upon blessing, riches upon riches. Do you know it? Paul will say it this way in Philippians 2. Philippians 2, this is 5 through uh, 11. Listen, listen to these verses. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, let's just talk about Christ Jesus. Who, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, truly God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, although he's rightfully God in heaven, he didn't hang on to that, but he emptied himself, this is Jesus, by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Man, talk about emptying himself out. Why? So he can fill us up. So he can bless us. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. All right, so what do we learn? The grace of giving. It begins with the grace of God. It continues with knowing, knowing the grace of God of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then lastly, responding to the grace of God. Verse 5 says this, And this, not as we expected, but what did they do? They gave themselves first to the Lord, and then to the will of God to us. Give yourself first and foremost to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving, right? You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. It's true of God. He loved us and he gave. He gave us all he good. And it's true of us. Now here's the point. It's dangerous to give to God apart from giving yourself to God. It's dangerous. If, if you're here and you say, you know what, I want to give God something, but I'm not really going to give him myself. Here's what's dangerous. You might fool yourself into believing that somehow you bartered with God. So somehow he might owe you. Or somehow you're in his good graces, because why? You put something in the basket, or you gave to somebody in need. Blessings, it's a good thing to do. But I tell you something, it's dangerous. It's dangerous if you give without giving yourself first. This is something that you may have never heard before from a preacher. But I believe this is true. Don't give to God without giving yourself first to him. Don't give. I'm telling you, it's dangerous. And I'm telling you as a pastor, 
I think it's safer for you not to give unless you give your heart. If you want to give your heart to Christ, you want to give your life to Christ, that is the first and foremost act. Anything else is a token. And he, he doesn't need it. And, you know, and, and it gets confusing. So what is he asking? They gave themselves first to the Lord. So if he's knocking on your heart, uh, don't open up your wallet first. Open up your heart. If he's knocking the reality of your heart, give him your life. He's made you in his image. He's purchased you with his blood. We're rightfully his. He doesn't need your checkbook. He doesn't need your retirement. He's not needy. He owns it all. He wants you. And he wants you because he loves you. And he's the first to give. He gave everything to you and me. And how did they respond? They responded first by giving themselves to the Lord. How is it with you? I mean, you may have given yourself to the church. You may have given yourself to religious organizations. You may have given yourself to a lot of charity events. Those are good things. But the question is, have you given yourself to the Lord? That's the gospel. When you realize that I need a Savior, that's got to be first. Give yourself to the Lord. And then, why? To remind us that Jesus gave himself to us. And then give yourself to the work of the Lord. We should be giving of our time, talent, and treasures to the Lord's work. Scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Give yourself to the work of the Lord. I love it. It says, we should excel. Excel in the act of grace. Okay, here's what he said to the church of Corinth. You, you guys are good. You got faith. You got some love. You got some good things happening. I want you to excel in this grace. I want you to excel in the grace of giving. So let's think about this. How can giving be a grace? What is that all about? Listen to verse 7. But as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Gospel giving is an act of grace. Why? Because it's a sign of God's grace. The no way you'll truly give, deeply give, apart from God's grace. You just won't do it. But we should excel in the act of grace. Why? how God has excelled in giving to us like no other. How do we excel in the act of grace? Let me give you a couple practical things as we wrap this up. Well, God says that we are to give first to the Lord. That's what he tells us. Um, it's often called a tithe. Bring in a tithe. Uh, typically, you'll see that as a 10%. Um, and it should be first. A lot of people say, well, is that before taxes or after taxes? Is that... You know, do I take care of this first? Uh, if you give yourself first to the Lord, I think Scripture says give first to Him. Um, that 10%. I remember seeing that demonstrated when I was first married by my wife who worked in a Christian school in New Jersey and got like $3 an hour. And we went to church and she started putting a check in the plate. I'm like, what are you doing? You don't have enough money to give. And I'm tithing. God's Word told me to tithe. Well, we, we have no money. I mean, we're just starting off. I mean, we're, we're poor. Um, no, we give, because God's word's called us to. And she led the example. And, and I'm, by God's grace, that's something for 35 years. Hey, it's his money. Let's be obedient. Let's trust him. And man, what, what he has, has done. It says this, uh, not only uh, should we tithe, but it says, Scripture says, bring your, your tithe into the storehouse, into the church. Often people say, hey, it's my money, I'm going to give it the way I want to give it. You know, I, I like this organization, I don't like this, I like this, I like that. I'm going to kind of spread it out. I think if that's you, thank you for giving. But there's something about bringing it to the storehouse, because why? We are family. 
This church family, we support missionaries. As you support us, we're supporting, we're supporting them. We're doing it together. And I think there's something about authority that you give, and you give when there's elders praying over it and there's deacons responsible for it, and you pray. There's something of power in that. And, you know, I think it's quite arrogant if you say, you know what, I'm going to be my own distributor. I'm going to give it the way I see fit. I think Scripture will say bring it to the storehouse um, and pray for your family. Malachi 3.10 says this, Bring the full tithe in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put to me the test. God says, put to me the test. Only where in Scripture he says this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down on you a blessing until there is no more. There's the ways to give. We also, by the way, we started a future home fund. Uh, it's just in the infant stage, but a way to give. This is a place we rent. What does God have for us long term? Uh, but remember, God, giving always begins with God. Do you know what God has given to you? Do you know what God is offering you? Your heart will reflect your heart for God and what you give. Remember, I don't know what you give, and I don't want to know. And that's between you and God. But here's what I do know. He's amazing. He loves you so much. Where is he in your life? Have you really given yourself first to the Lord? I, I, I'm telling you, I'm so convinced of this. Give yourself to the Lord, and, and, if, and if you have a hard time with us, go to another church, but give yourself to the Lord. And again, this isn't about us, it's about him. And if you're struggling with this, I'm telling you, you don't have a clue of God's love for you. I, I don't care what else is there. I mean, and, and again, I, I'm not trying to beat you up. I really am not. I'm saying he's amazing. God would give us his son so that we could have life. God gave us his son so we can have forgiveness. I've been adopted in. I'm loved. I'm forgiven. I'm free. I'm his, and I can't get over it. And anything he gives to me, it's his anyway. May we be a church in love with Jesus. And if we are, we'll be the most generous church in town. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for a family that has the privilege of giving. But God, our Father is the ultimate giver. Our Savior gave everything he could. And God, all of our giving is just a response to you. God, I, I know that this is hard to hear. When you start meddling with people's wallets and their bank accounts, it gets personal. But God, it's not personal with me and them. You've called me here to show them the family picture. And God, I, I love them enough to tell them the truth. And that is, Jesus is worth our lives. Jesus' love is transforming. When a place gets the gospel, in the midst of affliction, they have joy. In the midst of poverty, they give. And God, if we're not having joy and we're not giving, it's not a wallet issue, it's a heart issue. It's because not our heart, it's because we don't understand your heart. God, you couldn't give us more than you did. You won't give us less. And you just want us to respond to your grace. Oh God, pour your love upon us. Pour your grace upon us. May we be like the church of Macedonia. May we be people that are like begging to give. Why? Not to earn anything. 
because we got in Jesus a treasure that is greater than anything this world could ever offer. We pray it in Christ's name.